A programming note about today's episode. We will be discussing topics covering potentially sensitive or upsetting topics such as child exploitation material and the black market for human organ transplants. Listener discretion is, uh, is advised, and if you have little ones in the room, you may want to listen on headphones or wait until they're not around. Thanks and enjoy the show. Thank you for joining us for the PEBCAC podcast, a weekly information security show featuring some all-around good people. It is week 31 of 2021, and I'm recording straight out of Houston. Yes, this is the first time I have traveled in nearly 18 months. I'm Chris Louie, and with me, I have Brian Deach. What's up, best friends? Uh, Glad that you're doing okay there, Chris, and survived your first uh, travel since the, uh, the lockdown. And Glenn Medina. Hey everyone, welcome back and thanks for joining us. I'm surprised Chris isn't like in full, you know, mop four dress attire where he's uh, isolating himself in a bubble while traveling. I'm sure uh, Grace is having fun with this, so uh, we'll see how it goes. And uh, happy to be back for podcast number 18. I can't believe we're on episode number 18 and going strong still. Many thanks to our listeners and our and our past guests. And the, the bunny suit I ordered online to protect myself while traveling didn't come in time, so I, that's why I'm not wearing it. <laughs> no guests this week due to my travel schedule. Combined, we have decades of information security experience and are here not just to educate, but to entertain. We've got four awesome stories for you this week, so sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. One clarification from last week's episode where we said that no major sports are played the day before and the day after the Major League Baseball All-Star Game. That is true of every year that's not a pandemic year. In 2020 and 2021, the NBA season was delayed due to the global pandemic, which is why there were games on the day after the MLB All-Star Game. So next year, if there's no pandemic, no delay, there'll be no games before and after the All-Star Game. How do you know there's not going to be a pandemic? You're an that's insider. Why I if. Insider I knowledge. If there's but, no pandemic. But is that scheduled really, truly that way? Because they... No sports day between before and after. Is that normal? It's a it's a coincidence because hockey and basketball end and baseball usually always has something except for the all-star game because before is the home run derby and then after is the travel day. Interesting. So it's a coincidence of timing. Well, it's been a few weeks since Amazon Prime Day, and I think it's fair to circle back and talk about Tinu or things you never use that we all bought on Prime Day. I can excitedly say that I've been using my green screen I bought for Zoom calls and hope to be streaming on Twitch soon, so please like and subscribe. I actually want to stream our podcast live on Twitch one of these times we record, but we'll need to work out those logistics. My dad jeans still have the tags on them, so that's still currently T-new. How about you, Deech? I'm excited to hear if you ever use that welding mask or watch any solar eclipses. Uh, Definitely haven't even unboxed anything other than the AirPod Pros, to be honest with you. And uh, lo and behold, you should probably put this in the speaker notes. Uh, that little link you sent out uh, regarding like defective AirPod Pros, very simple. You just uh, open or schedule time at either the Apple Store or like a Best Buy. You take it in there and they plug it into something to see if it really is trash or not, and then just give you a brand new pair of AirPod Pros. So now I'm sitting on two. I'm I'm hot and heavy. Yeah, and just to, to clarify, Apple has a recall on the AirPods Pro made prior to October 2020. Some of them have an error, or some of them will start airing out. They'll get a fuzz, or they'll get some noise, or noise canceling will randomly turn on and off. And 
Um, if you take them to the Apple Store to look at schedule a genius appointment, they'll they'll verify it's affected and replace them for free. Yeah. Thanks for that pro tip because I'm actually, uh, every time, right before I stick the new AirPod Pros in my ear, I get this buzzing noise and it's like, what the heck is that? That's never happened before. So thanks for the pro tip, guys. I'm going to take mine in probably this next week or later in the week. So I'll throw the link in the description. And Glenn, did you swap out all your USB car chargers or is that still something you're putting off? Odd that you say that. So I did take them out and I put them in the cars. But it's like there's either uh, some type of cable monster or some car charger monster that pulls them out and they disappear. So I'm always adding them (laughs) back in the car. Either my kids are taking them or my kids' friends are taking them. But it's something that I regularly buy. Like I just bought like a five-pack of USB lightning uh, uh, cables, and they're already gone. I've got like two left (laughs) from the pack of five. And then the car chargers are in the car right now, so we'll see how it goes. I think you need to throw those on subscribe and save. Yeah. Get a shipment every month. <laughs> Either that or maybe I can put the, the little uh, the little tracking device on them to see where they go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Put, a, put one of those tile trackers or put the a, air tags. Put a $50 tile tracker on a, on a $5 part. <laughs> one of the things I bought not too long ago, actually a long time ago, maybe two years was, uh, you know, like at the end of like your iPad or iPod or iDevice um, cables, they always get kind of like fringed. They would just like, mm-hmm. you know, from being bent. I bought like this yeah. like shrink wrap in like this heat gun and I took all the kids' stuff and I uh, intentionally color coded them. That way they stopped fighting over whose is whose and did oh. that on both ends of the cables. And we still have these cables to this day that haven't failed yet. And it's about three inches long from the, the base of it. That yeah. extends down that, that helps uh, alleviate the stress on there. So that was actually a good good purchase back in the day. That's just like the nice. shrink rack tubing that they do for the olden days when we used to work on car stereos, right? Is that what it sounds like, the electrical shrink yeah. wrap? Nice. Exactly. That's a great pro tip. I'll have to put that on my, my list of things to do. The other pro tip is a heat gun, even though it looks like a hair dryer, do not use it as a hair dryer. <laughs> I wouldn't know. Chris, I, is there, there's a story to this. What the heck happened? <laughs> Florida man. <Yeah. laughs> right. California man, Chris Louie. <laughs> Singes hair. Singes yeah. hair. That's why he keeps his hair short, Deech. There you so. go. All right, on to our first topic. We talked a lot in this podcast about ransomware and how over the last few years we've seen ransomware crews transform from the spray and pray type where they send out as much ransomware as they can and hope someone pays 300 bucks to get their their photos, documents, and data back. Well, ransomware crews quickly learned that people care more about their money than their data, so they pivoted into whale hunting. But whale hunting requires a cooperation between several disparate players, such as initial access brokers to break into the corporate network, malware authors to write the ransomware, language translators to facilitate negotiations, finance people to collect and launder money, and money meals to convert the Bitcoin into hard currency. And this collectively is commonly called ransomware as a service. In true evolution fashion, these ransomware as a service crews are transforming into full-blown corporations with red tape, HR issues, recruitment, retention, and the like. Now the ransomware crews are taking the next business evolution step and are starting these so-called dark VC funds. Typically, when people wish to secure funding to create a startup, they go to a bank or a venture capital firm, a VC firm, to pitch their idea and get funding by giving up a portion of the company's equity. 
our employer started this way, Google started this way, and you think that Steve Jobs and Steve Wozniak started Apple with their own money? No, they pitched to outside investors to fund them. Cybercriminals are now starting to do the same thing. Think of it as an evil version of the show Shark Tank, if you will. Security firm LifeRs confirms that cybercriminals will be given the opportunity to secure funding for their operations by developing new and innovative ways to wreak havoc on the internet. So as Bruce Schneier always says, attacks never get better, they only get worse, and having ransomware crews like Darkseid and Maze financially backing the next generation of cybercriminals will mean that we have some job security, and the jobs of enterprise security teams are going to get a lot harder. It's like Shark Tank for sharks. <laughs> That's awesome. Why can't we think of these things, guys? <laughs> What's going on? <laughs> well, here's a pro tip for them. I mean, if they want to get me to join up, I just need an HSA and a 401k. So if they can get that as part of like a nice, you know, stealthy benefits package, right? Let's do this. Yeah, you need full medical, full dental. The works. Work from home. Yeah, I, I don't need the medical and dental because my wife's a, a nurse. I just need a package, a really good package, one that prevents me from going to jail. So I don't know how that's going to work out. <laughs> Is that a wife or a sugar mama, Glenn? What the heck? <laughs> Call it what you would. I don't have to get medical and dental insurance. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, can you imagine the pitch that these cybercrime gangs make to the dark VC, like the buzzwords they have to use, the PowerPoints and... You know, do they have to wear a suit? Do they show themselves on Zoom? Like, how, how do you think one of these dark VC pitches goes? It's like, do, do they all wear the uh, the the uh, the mask, the uh, the anonymous mask as they're going? One's got a smiley face. One's got the serious <laughs> face. <laughs> yeah, the guy fox mask. One's got the unibrow. <laughs> I guarantee you they're not using Zoom. Like it is probably on Google Meets or something like that. Like these dudes oh. are cheap. Is that a shot? Should I not have done that? Or right. or they they could use the uh they could use the free version of Zoom as long as they keep it to 40 minutes or less. That and are they hiding their voices with some type of voice technology so that way you can't tell who they really are? Fun. You know, have fun with this one. It's all weird. Like it just the video cuts out and comes back in. It's Epstein. You're like, you're supposed to be dead, man. Like, what the hell are you doing on this presentation? <laughs> yeah, I, I've watched enough Silicon Valley. I mean, I, I, I like to see like them come up with a cap table, a business plan, a go-to-market strategy, and it, re, real interesting to see if how how these dark VCs compare to actual VCs. Yeah, how do they pay him? Is that Bitcoin? What do they do? Probably. They probably send them some Bitcoin. Then, again, there's some process to transfer that into hard currency. Or you could actually use the Bitcoin and, and pay you know, pay the, your initial access brokers, pay your programmers in, in Bitcoin. But, I mean, that's that's just going to cause you know an evolution of malware. So what we saw in 2020 and what we're seeing now in 2021 with these, these you know, eight-digit figures for ransomware payments and wow. them just always thinking of new ways to get money. Yeah. And like businesses, right? They have a return on investment. So I can only imagine like they're only in for it if they can get 5x, 10x the, the return. So that would be good. Wonder if, there, if there was ever like a high risk investment, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm more, I'm more like likely a... to dump all my money into AMC at this point than I would be to show up for Dark VC. <laughs> 
or I was I'm thinking if, if one of these ransomware crews is so successful they, they they could have some kind of like dark IPO like they're they, they don't just get acquired they they just do an IPO and you can own a piece of this this malicious ransomware crew. All right, on to our next topic. The next topic is upsetting and really makes you rub your temples. Now, we all have admitted on this podcast that we are all Apple fans. We have the phone, the watch, the tablet, the computers, and the like. We love Apple so much, they make a really great product, and they make an awesome ecosystem. However, a man in China loves Apple so much, he sold one of his kidneys to pay for an iPhone and an iPad. Surprising absolutely nobody, there is an underground market in China for human organs. I know here in the U.S., the organ donor waiting list is very long, and recipients can often wait years for a match to come up for a potentially life-saving organ. I'm sure it's much worse in China, and they live in a system where money talks. If you're rich and you need a new kidney, an underground syndicate will look for a match and buy or even steal the needed organ. So this man in China was contacted by one of these organ trafficking groups. I don't know how they got his name. Maybe it was a spam message or email or one of those dozens of spam calls we get every day on our phone. But he agreed to sell one of his kidneys for the amount of approximately 3,000 US dollars. He went in, they did the operation, and after he was done, you know, he went after the operation, he went out and bought an iPhone and an iPad. His mom got suspicious when he came home with these devices and no visible means of income to pay for them. Turns out, criminal underground transplant syndicates do not perform their operations in the best of conditions or provide any type of after-surgery care. The Chinese man is now bedridden after one of his, his one remaining kidney started failing due to the botched operation and will have to be on dialysis for the rest of his life. That is nuts. And I only say that because my dad had an organ or a kidney transplant six years ago. And that was quite an ordeal. So I can only imagine what... Oh, I can't even imagine that. That is that is crazy, Chris. It's like, I, I know that people do that because he was... At, uh, you know, there, there are... Uh, you know, in the Philippines, that's a big thing to do, right? But mostly, most of the time, the folks that are donating their kidneys aren't in the greatest of health <laughs> from that regard. So yeah. it's like, ugh, how do you do this, right? This is... That is an amazing story, and I, I don't think this is the first time we, we're, we're going to see this, or that this is the first time it's happened, or is it, you know, it's probably happened more so in the past than anything else, just not out in the public or on the internet like it is now. Do you guys think there was some, like, red flags, like, kind of, I mean, jokes, you know, puns, right? You know, China's a big red flag. Anyway, do you <laughs> think, like, there was any big red flags walking into that? Like, before that, he was going to go see the dentist, and the dentist is like, all right, get comfortable, take off your pants. He's like, wait, wait, why am I taking off my pants? <laughs> like, like, I'm sure there was probably some indicators there. And But, like, what kind of a bummer is that? Like, we take it for granted. We got, literally, he had a cell kidney. He's going to be on dialysis the rest of his life. And, you know, I'm sitting here and I got my MacBook Pro and I have like two iPads laying around. And I got my watch and my phone and I don't even have these kind of issues in my life. That's humbling. I'll tell you what. Yeah, definitely live in a, in a, in a first world country, right? Beach. We, we've got great jobs. We're able, we're, we're, we're able and, and well, um, have great, you know, like I said, we live a pretty good life per se. So yeah, for real perspective, right? Yeah. I have to say his decision was pretty short-sighted, though, because even let, let's say this worked out for him and he's, he's got one kidney for life, like his, his devices are going to be outdated in a year or two and he'll, he'll have to find some other means of 
you know, getting getting the next one, or it'll just have a device that eventually will be too slow to use. You know, I'm I'm thinking to myself, three thousand dollars. He really sold himself short. <laughs> yeah, I, I would have thought kidney. at least get like ten times that amount, right? If you're gonna sell yeah. something, especially a kidney, you think you'd be up in like in thirty, fifty thousand dollars. Someone's really desperate, right? But Is it legal this, in the U.S.? Can I sell my kidney if I wanted to? Not technically. So yeah, yeah, not, not technically, technically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know what scared me was I was in the military. I was, I was, I was I'm in the army, and uh, horror stories that we used to hear when I, when I, we were in Texas was you know you go down to the border town of Nuevo Laredo, which is across from Laredo, Texas, and you wake up one day um, after partying hard all night long in in a bathtub filled with ice, and your like kidneys are missing. So those those things always scared me, and always made me uh, not drink uh, anything uh, uh, that I didn't open myself when I was down in the border border in that border city. So fun times. Isn't, isn't that an urban legend though? I don't know if it's urban, urban legend, but I surely don't want to be the the, the, the person that that happens to. So urban legend or not, it worked. It kept Glenn from having alcohol problem. Oh yeah. Good job. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I mean, drink nothing. Like I said, I it was if it was a bottle of water, I had to open it and hear it click. So, <laughs> yeah, agreed. All right, our next story is about uh, Facebook and Facebook actually doing something good for once. So last year, the FBI arrested a real scumbag who was caught preying on dozens of underage girls using Facebook. Brian has mentioned that for me to call someone a scumbag, they'd have to have had to do something extraordinarily bad. And, and this guy definitely fits the criteria. There are a few other choice words I would use to describe this guy, but Apple won't let me because we're not an explicit language podcast. And once I tell you what he did, I'm confident you'll agree. So a guy named Buster Hernandez preyed on young girls, some as young as 12 year olds and threatened them with extreme physical harm or death unless they sent him inappropriate images. That is to say, he was requesting child exploitation material from these girls. The messages on Facebook started with Buster claiming he already had inappropriate images of these girls and threatening to send them to all our friends and family unless they took more pictures and videos and sent them to him. If they refused, he resorted to threats of physical violence. I'm summarizing his crimes, but if you read the actual indictment, and a link will be in the description, he did some really horrible things, and it was so bad some of his victims actually attempted to take their own lives because of the damage this guy did. Facebook was fully aware of this because Facebook Messenger was not end-to-end encrypted at the time. The problem was that Facebook would close out his accounts and ban him, but he would just create a new profile from a new IP address, and it was just a huge game of whack-a-mole. Now, why couldn't the FBI find him even though they knew he was trafficking in child exploitation material? Well, Buster used a Linux operating system called Tails, and Tails is a purpose-built operating system to allow users to remain fully anonymous, and this is extremely helpful for people like journalists or political dissidents or whistleblowers to help hide their identity, but it can also be abused by cybercriminals like Buster Hernandez. You see, Tails resets itself to a factory new state every time you boot it up, leaving absolutely no trace the user was ever there. And Tails also has the Tor browser built in, which bounces the internet traffic off multiple servers and makes it impossible to trace where the user is actually coming from. Now here's where the difficult question comes in, and I'd like to see where my co-hosts stand on this. 
A zero-day exploit in the Tails operating system allowed Facebook to track down the scumbag once and for all. Facebook was so angered by this guy's activity and frustrated that they couldn't find him, they allegedly purchased a zero-day exploit in Tails from a zero-day broker such as Zerodium and used it against Buster Hernandez. Now, after they busted this guy, they, they told the people that developed Tails, hey, you've got this zero-day, you better patch it. So they, they did the responsible thing. Normally, I would be cheering for this behavior because there's, there's no doubt that getting Buster off the streets is a good thing for society. However, Tails is also used by political dissidents and journalists, and protecting their identity is also a good thing for society. So how do we balance the need to get these predators off the streets with the privacy of people who, for example, want to criticize the president? Another interesting topic, Chris. So to me, this is like you're walking a fine line and this is this is uh this is hard for me right i mean you you, you got this guy buster who's just a, a pure scumbag you know just there's no doubt right and this guy should be put away for life and you know whatever you know whatever happens to him in jail happens to him in jail and i i have no I have, like i said i hope they throw the book at him and then some right but then how, how do you talk about what's going on with Facebook right now, what's far as censorship and everything else. I don't know. I, I, I just, I'm so crossed on this on so many ways that, you know, this thing is just, this whole system is broken. To me, if you, if you ask me, I blame it on parenting, right? If my kids do something like that, that you should be well, know you should know well what your 12 year old kid is doing and the fact that they they're doing these things and you've got to give them lessons about the rights and wrongs of what's going on on the internet. So part of that is, is on parenting as well. So I don't know. I, I, I have no clue how to handle this topic. So. So like number one, is there even like good political dissidents? I can even say it right. Or journalists at this point in time. <laughs> I don't, I don't even think there are uh, to be determined. Um, you know, Facebook, I think they did a good thing here, right? I, I, I can get behind that, even though I don't really like Facebook per se, but at least they went down there and did the right thing trying to get this bad dude. Um, you know, if homeboy is still alive, he won't be for very much longer. Like, like you go into jail with that kind of record, like something bad's going to happen to you. And, and if they need someone to, you know, flip the switch, like uh, put me first in line, I'm down. Um, and then to your point, Chris or, uh, uh, Glenn about parenting, kids man like it takes a village to really protect them on the internet and and i I think i talked a lot about this last week but they're sneaky right and and in the early days of trying to do some content filtering um when i say early days 10 years ago i was working with a friend and and his son had like you know going out to some adult websites and so he was trying to to block based off of keywords and so the son was just like, oh, okay, well then what's the Russian word for boobs? Like, that's what you just start searching for. Like, kids are sneaky. They're going to go around. Like, if they really want to do something, they're going to try to find a way around it. They're, they're kind of like the bad guys. This is a little bit, get a, a little bit of a game of cat and mouse uh, through all of this. So, uh, yeah, it's hard It's hard to side on the, the side of Facebook, especially when they, you know, all their censorship and all the stuff they do. But at least they got rid of one less scumbag on the street. And the bad news is, like, Buster's, like, one of a million, I bet. Like, there's, they're just out there. They're everywhere. Yeah, I think he, he was one of the predators that had the best OPSEC. Yeah, there's, there's definitely predators on, on the platform, but they usually, they're not quite as good at covering their tracks. But this guy evaded them for, for so long, and they just said, enough's enough. We're going to try to zero-day this guy and, and eventually caught him, which, which is a good thing. And 
How did they you know, detect thinking, it was coming from a Tails operating system? Like, is it like a user agent being sent over yeah. in Facebook? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was the user agent. Yeah. Then he was using Tor and really covering his tracks really well. At what point can you blame Facebook for that that whole system, right? Because it's the medium that allowed that that to happen, and not only that, for a twelve year old minor to be able to be connected. So if the twelve year old minor had a profile that says she was a twelve year old minor, right? She has a profile. There uh, aren't there any protections that you could have based off of a profile age. Well, number one, well, you gotta be thirteen. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I was gonna say that there's there's COPA rules. So yeah, she's not even supposed to be on the platform. And then this this is probably actually a good topic for another podcast. But if you look up like the Section 230 protections, Facebook says, we're the medium. We don't control what people do on our platform. Very similarly that if I if I phone in a bomb threat to my local uh, police office and I use an AT&T landline, is AT&T responsible? Well, they're going to say the same thing. Like, no, you, you used our technology to, to do something bad, uh, but we're not responsible. So Section 230 is a hot topic right now, I would say, you know, especially in the political climate we are, but they are protected um, today with those with the Section 230 protections. Yeah, unless you say something that kind of goes against some of the mainstream media or the cancel culture, right? Then then they're real quick to, to, to put the kibosh on you for sure. Sure, sure. And, and I was thinking, like, do we give lawful like lawful intercept lawful enforcement the fbi the nsa like should they be given these zero days to try to track these types of people down but but that also brings in the question well who watches the watchmen you know the nsa couldn't keep a lid on their exploits like they had these things leak and it was disastrous yeah i don't i don't it's a good question right like when it comes to like the problem with it is it comes down to privacy insecurity, the well-being of others. And I think it's very uh, subjective, right? Like what I believe to be valid reasons to do things, it necessarily wouldn't be valid for maybe Chris and Chris's house or vice versa, right? And I think, I think the same thing with Big Brother with this NSA. Like at some point in time, they could, you know, in theory, be like taking stuff, like they're recording every single conversation, everything, every single text. Like no longer do we have to audit taxes based off of what you submit, We'll just kind of go in there and listen to all your conversations that you had. Look for indicators there that maybe you're doing something stupid. Um, not that I would encourage anyone to do that. You know, pay your taxes, be a good citizen. But you know what I mean? Like there's this, it could be used for so many different ill, uh, yeah, ill, ill-factored uh, big brother activities for sure. Yeah, we walk a fine line when you go, you know, privacy versus, you know, legal legal morale legal morale right like as far as like someone like buster doing what he did and the the ability to have privacy in your conversations knowing what you're saying is in communicating is private in nature i it, like i said I, I don't know what to say it's it's an amazing thing um lean one way and you're you're you're, you're going down the path of yeah we need to stop this but you you go down the path and you forget privacy altogether right because you are allowing the FBI, the authorities to to have access to that audio. Like, I mean, think about it. We're we're you know we sit around and we joke around a lot before and after the show, and none of that is recorded. But what happens if someone was recording that and took one of our jokes seriously? And it's like, God, that's that's not the intention, right? We're just joking around. So, 
It's just scary. Yeah, absolutely. It's easy to hang out in the fence until it's your 12-year-old daughter, right? And then I think oh, all of a sudden. Yeah. If, if, <laughs> yeah. if it's my 12-year-old daughter, I'm telling you this right now. There's no amount of legal things that are going to stop me from getting to that guy. Yeah. I, I would take care of that. Sorry. Did I say that out loud? Spoken like a true man. No, <laughs> going fishing. Good. I'm going fishing with a guy. <laughs> going fishing. Two men yeah. go out, one man comes back. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. On to our last topic, and this is going to be a rotating topic every week. And this week's topic is, what common thing screams, I make poor financial choices? So I have, I have a couple listed out here, and I actually know people that that uh, fit into these. So I, I don't want to give it too many details that might reveal their, their identity. But uh, one thing, they have a new car, but they don't have money to fill up the gas tank. That's a very poor financial choice. Uh, another thing is they always talk about money. And I have somebody in, in my life, in my, in my circle, that, that's all they do. They talk about money. They talk about how much money they make, or they ask you how much money you make, or they talk about this new thing that they bought and how much it costs. Like they're just always talking about money. Uh, and the last one I would say is they have to spend money whenever they get it. They have no concept of savings or building up something for retirement. Just if, if they get money, if they get a tax refund, they immediately have to buy something and, and spend that money. I make I make poor financial decisions all the time, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Gwen the victim. Yeah, but I, I can tell you something, right? I, I've got a... I have a known relative. Um, they bought a car. Uh, bad finances in, in sense, meaning their their credit score is probably below five hundred, right? And they bought a car, financed it at twenty three point nine percent interest, or actually no, twenty four point nine percent interest. And you almost have to ask yourself, why? <laughs> you know, okay, great. You're trying to build up your credit, right? But I looked at the first bill. And basically, the first bill was all interest. And in the second bill, it was like $10 that went towards the principal. And then the third bill, it was like $15. And it was like, really? Is it really? Is that car really worth it? You know, I just, yeah, poor financial decisions. Like I said, I I make them all the time, but at least, you know, I I learn from them and hopefully never do those things again, right? They, they totally take advantage of these people. And unfortunately, I was one of these people. Uh, I used to sell cars, like a used car dealership. And we had like, you know, tier one type of financing through like Wachovia. But we also had stuff for like United Auto Credit, which is you just like, as long as you have like a credit score and a pulse, you can get a car, but you need like a massive down payment. Yeah. And their interest rates can be 24%. And the idea there is to make your payments for, you know, 12 months. And then you can go ahead and, you know, refinance it at a lower rate. But the problem is that, you know, th- these people that buy vehicles like this, they're they're using this vehicle as like they're almost living in it. Right. And so they're driving the, the living crap out of it. And so the 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 value of that car diminishes. So in a year, they're like, I'm going to refinance it. They could. Right. Because they did all the stuff right. But they're like, it's going to take another seven grand because the car is diminished in value to get a lower rate. Well, yeah, I mean, but look, I mean, you're going to laugh even further, right? So great. They didn't get a great rate, but I don't think they bought the car at a great price either. So it's a 2018 Toyota Camry hybrid. Uh, you know, on KBB, that car lists for 18 or 19.5, 21 at the high. 
they put six thousand dollars down so and they're 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 they they funded eighteen thousand or nineteen thousand five hundred that means they paid twenty five twenty six hundred thousand twenty six thousand dollars for this car like well above what they should have paid right so not only they get shafted on the price but they got shafted on the interest rate and so it's like that's like that's like you know shame on the dealership that sold that but they are just laughing at the bank right now because you know they got this family into a really bad a bad note and bad purchase right i I can't believe that you can even front load an auto loan like that where you're you're paying more interest than principal like i i thought it was evenly dispersed that's interesting yeah yeah well like i said i I don't know if they went to a a great dealership but yeah shame on that dealership for doing that and there's a very high likelihood that the car will get repossessed that if they fall behind on their payments then they they basically get the car back yeah and and basically no no skin off their back right because they sold it well above market they're financing it yeah. well above, you know, at what the average person would probably pay. So the car is still worth a lot of money to them. Now, they'll probably get the, the car back, you know, grossed out. Like, they, they're not going to do the oil changes. They're not going to change the tires or anything like that. So it, uh, it's just, it's a it's a hot mess. Yeah. Was this recently, Glenn? Because I yeah. know the used car, yeah, used car market is like, it's hot right now. Like, I'm literally for one of my vehicles that I have. I can sell it for like 10 grand more than I paid for it like 18 months ago. It's like insane, the resale right now. I think the bottom's going to fall out on that. Have you guys noticed it as well? Have you heard about it? Well, my understanding is that there's there's no one at the plants making the cars. And if they were at the plants making the cars, there's no there's no um, uh, resources for them to create, right? So there's no parts. And I, I see that right now. Like chip shortage, no? Yeah, chip, chip shortage, shortage yeah. material shortage, metal shortage. I mean, I, I was trying to buy shocks, you know, for, for to replace on one of my cars. It's twice as much as what it used to be. And it just doesn't make any sense. Well, we continue to get great comments about our dad joke of the week. Dad joke of the week. And this week, I'm up. It's not so much of a dad joke as more of a, a tech joke, but but here goes. Two engineers are overlooking their work campus and notice someone playing volleyball on the court. One engineer, without missing a beat, says, he does not work here. The other engineer says, how could you possibly know that? And the original engineer responds, that's easy, he has a tan. (laughs) (laughs) All right, to wrap things up. Cyber criminals have their own version of the TV show uh, Shark Tank to get investors to fund their crime spree. A man sells a kidney for an iPhone and an iPad, but it goes horribly wrong. Facebook helps catch a predator, but also sets a dangerous precedent. The hosts discuss telltale signs someone makes poor financial decisions mostly related to their cars. That's all we have for this week. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. You can find us all on LinkedIn. Links will be in the description. And you can help us grow the podcast by telling someone else about it. We appreciate you all spreading the word. The best way to find us is to search for the PepCac podcast on your favorite podcast listening app, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and Stitcher. For my co-hosts, Glenn Medina and Brian Deach, I'm Chris Louie. Thanks for listening. We'll see you all next week. And as always, have a nice day. Thanks, everyone. Have a good one. Later. <laughs>